Welcome to the Radical Flow podcast. My name is Angela. Radical Flow is flow that's on a mission, and that mission is to create a much better reality for us all. Welcome to episode 17. I love teaching teachers. Why? Because teachers not only learn what they will teach, they learn why they will teach it. And not just in a surface kind of way, but in a oh my God, I get it, kind of way. And that's the way I like to teach. In 2008, when I attended my first yoga teacher's training in Sedona, I just discovered yoga, and I really had no intentions to actually teach yoga. But once I discovered it, I wanted to immerse and dive as deep as I could. So a few days into my first training, my teacher Shraddha asked me if I'd stand up and be her demonstration model. The rest of the group gathered around us and Shraddha focused everyone toward my feet. And to be honest, they looked pretty tense. I had these small lines running across the tops of my toes. My arches were pressing toward the floor like I was trying to grip the earth. And one of my ankles was leaning toward the center of my body. Shraddha began to describe me as someone who didn't feel safe in the world. She shared that my feet showed I had a fear of life and a fear of the unknown. Now this beautiful group all around me went immediately into empathy and actual concern for how raw I was being exposed. Shraddha saw this in their eyes and so she paused, she smiled and she said, this isn't who Angela is. It's just how her persona is holding her body. Meanwhile, I'm standing there thinking, oh my God, this woman is brilliant. If she can know me that well from my feet, then I bet you she has the keys to fix me. Yep, back then I was fully in that I need to be fixed mode, which of course is never really true, but it always leads us in a direction of improvement. Shraddha then got everybody to stand up and start walking in a big circle. Bring your shoulders forward and round your back, she said. She described to us that this was how someone who was protecting their heart looked. Impeding energy flow through their heart meridians, becoming introverted, isolated, sad, and even depressed. Then we walked with our feet and legs turned outward, revealing someone who was extroverted then toes and legs inward for introversion, our heads jutted forward and then back, you name it, we did it. All the while, Shraddha had us observe the changes in how we felt with each changing posture. She tied postures to states of being, to moods, to attitudes, to behaviors, emotions, and even thoughts. And then she had us all sit down to take it a little deeper. You see, posture and state of being are intricately connected. They loop. One creates the other and is also the effect of the other. In other words, one who is sad will tend to round their back, and one who rounds their back will tend to become sad. Mood sets up posture, and posture sets up mood. How cool is that? Now, for most of us, we see the connection where mood can create a posture. But have you ever really thought about posture creating a mood? 
When we sit down at our computers, slouch and drop our heads, are we thinking, oh good, now I can become sad? Not likely. And for most of us, we don't even notice the subtle effects that this is having on our state of being. So what's really happening when posture creates a mood? Well, let's look at one common collective posture we're all probably pretty familiar with. My friend Mo in North Carolina calls it the T-Rex posture, you know, like the dinosaur. It looks like this. Hands are holding a smartphone, elbows are bent and close to the body, heads dropped, shoulders are rounded, and the back is curved. Now, for those of us that get our weekly cell phone reports, it's easy to see how many hours per day we can rack up when we're texting, emailing, and social media scrolling. In other words, a lot of time is spent in this posture. So what happens when the body practices this posture over and over again? Well, first, muscles and connective tissues in the front of the body start shortening. The ones in the back body lengthen. Now the body's tissues are set to hold us in the slouching position. The vertebrae in our spine start stacking in a curved formation, compressing in the front of the body and decompressing in the back. Energy pathways that would normally flow openly in an upright posture become blocked and other pathways become flooded. Position of our rib cage now inhibits proper diaphragmatic breathing, which is a whole conversation in itself. And just a side note, my awesome Flow Tribe manager, Taylor, is making a list of all those topics I keep tabling to later podcasts, and I promise I'll get to those soon. Okay, back to what happens. Muscles are shortening and lengthening, spine is out of alignment, energy flows are being redirected, and the breathing apparatus is being inhibited. Well, what does all that do? Well, energy flow starts heading into the back body because the front body is compressed, which in yogic terms, the back body is considered the home of the subconscious mind and the instinctual reptilian brain. Now, as we experience life in this slouching posture and the back body is being energized, we start operating more instinctually or by reaction. Whatever unconscious, subconscious memory patterns we're now triggering in life, we're reacting on them. So in other words, we start looping what we already have lived over and over again, regardless of whether that was beneficial or detrimental. And the easiest way to understand this is just to think of trauma. A soldier goes to war, experiences a horrific explosion, comes back home, and then goes into full panic when a car backfires. This is pure reaction. The body is running everything. This is total back body instinctual activity. Now in this example, we're talking about a trauma posture. Okay, wait a minute. What do I mean by trauma posture? Well, when we come back to the word posture, it's more than just how you shape your body. Posture is everything going on in your body. It's your alignment, your biology, your chemistry, your neurobiology, your neurochemistry, your psychology. It's all of it. 
Impeded breathing apparatus movement affects everything from organ health to blood flow, to oxygen levels, and to which part of your nervous system is running and what your pH level is. Energy flow determines which information is being accessed and what part of the brain is being used to process it. When your body memorizes a pattern, it memorizes absolutely everything going on that relates to it. Let me make this more tangible. And actually, instead of putting our diaphragm conversation onto Taylor's list, let's talk about it now. The diaphragm muscle sits at the bottom of the rib cage and it looks like the top of a balloon. Its edges are fastened to the front and back of the rib cage with a small insertion into the spinal area. When you inhale, your diaphragm drops like the top of a trampoline pressing down. And this presses against belly organs and glands, and that causes your belly to stick outward. When you exhale, the diaphragm rises back up like the top of the balloon into the chest cavity. Now on the inhale, as that diaphragm is dropping, intercostal muscles between your ribs are also pulling your ribs out and up, kind of like a barrel expanding and opening from the bottom. This creates a vacuum which causes your lungs to inflate. Now in optimal full movement, air is then circulated fully through your lungs, cleaning them and delivering oxygen into the blood. All the while, your diaphragm muscle is being fully stretched and the movement down and up, and your intercostals are being fully stretched on the movement out and up and back. Organs and glands are getting their massage, and the whole system is happy. Now, drop yourself into that memorized slouch position, the T-Rex position, and the diaphragm movement is suddenly impeded. Intercostals no longer stretch properly, the lungs don't fill all the way to the bottom, and this creates everything from respiratory stagnation all the way to anxiety. Yes, anxiety. It is possible that posture can create anxiety, and memorized posture can create chronic anxiety. Here's what I mean. When you inhale, oxygen travels through your lungs and into your blood. Then it flows around in the blood, waiting for a cell to receive it. Meanwhile, in the cell, the oxygen that's already in there and the glucose from what you've eaten are being used to create energy. The byproduct of that process is called carbon dioxide or CO2. Once enough CO2 pressure builds in that cell, then the cell door opens, the CO2 leaves, and then that fresh oxygen in the blood transfers into the cell. Now if your CO2 pressure happens to be too low in the cell, well then the door doesn't open and the oxygen doesn't get delivered. This results in pure, or in, sorry, poor, not pure, poor, poor, I can't say it, poor oxygen delivery to the brain and your vital systems. And to begin with, this will induce a kind of brain fog, a lethargy, low energy, and may even cause you to yawn. If it gets too low, it'll induce anxiety and even panic. Then the body breathes more to get more oxygen, 
And the faster we inhale, the faster we exhale, and the more the CO2 is depleted. When you run on low CO2 for a while, the brain memorizes this setting, and then it tries to keep it there. It's called CO2 tolerance. So now, even though you want to breathe more slowly, more diaphragmatically, and more optimally, your body is holding you in this low CO2 anxious posture. Researchers are now hypothesizing that many cases of anxiety don't actually originate from life, but rather from the posture we're holding. How wild is that? Now remember, it's a loop. Posture sets mood, and now you have a person who sees the world from an anxious perspective and becomes fearful. One slouches to protect their heart, and the loop is reinforced. And we're not even adding the information that's streaming from that cell phone into the mind. We're just talking about the way the body is holding the phone. This is really cool. So let's go back to Shraddha's teaching and remember the empathy that those people felt for me and the concern they had that I was being exposed and was too raw. And remember what Shraddha said to them. She said, this is not who Angela is. It's how her persona is holding her. Well, the same is true for everyone. The mind-body loop is part of our design. Simply learning this one concept empowers everyone to know how to make self-improvements and to do so without self-judgment. We all know how hard we can be on ourselves when we feel that we're out of control and anxiety is running our body and our body is in full reaction. What if we stopped and felt compassion for ourselves and we made one simple shift in that loop? In the case of the breathing example, well, the simplest, most effective way to approach it is to train yourself to breathe properly. Now, for those who feel inspired to do that, I have a free tool for you. It's a five-day, 15-minute-per-day breath training called Breath Camp. And in it, you learn everything you need to know to retrain your breathing and understand how it works. To access it, just go to breathcamp.ca, and it's free. So by retraining our breathing, we shift how energy flows, we shift our skeletal alignment. We start shifting which part of our nervous system is activated. We're affecting our oxygen levels, the uptake of that oxygen to the cells, how our brain is functioning, how we can focus and concentrate, and how we can be present in the moment instead of trapped in the back body in the past, worrying about repeating what we've already experienced. Our energy brings us into the moment and we come into a state of confidence and we become ready to enter flow states where we're grounded in, in what is and wide open to what's possible. We start live streaming and thinking on our feet. The unknown is no longer scary. It's the place of opportunity. Just by training our breathing, just by improving our posture. Crazy cool, hey? Now there's one more thing 
I want to share with you today. My teacher, Shraddha, inspired me that day in a way that led me to train so much more deeply. I trained in Kundalini Tantric Yoga, 3HO Kundalini Yoga, Vipassana, conflict resolution, and a whole bunch of other things. Shraddha also trained me not only to teach, but then to teach teachers by inviting me to come and teach in those same trainings that I took from her. Now, my gratitude for this woman is endless. And I'm sad to say that she left her body just a few days ago. Well, I plan to honor everything that she gifted me by sharing that wisdom that she passed and sharing the experience that I've had using that wisdom and sharing it with others. So I just want to thank you for joining me in this particular episode of the Radical Flow podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And please go to Breath Camp and sign up for that free training. I promise you will feel empowered and inspired when you're done. And your mind and every part of you will be clearer and more ready to make further improvements in your own life. So until next time, we'll see you in the flow.